It's the water of heaven. It's the water of heaven. Oh, you satisfy our soul. It's the water of heaven. You satisfy our drink soul. Deep, drink deep, drink deep. It's the water of heaven. It's the water of heaven. It's the water of heaven. Drink deep, drink deep. It's the water of heaven. It's the water of heaven. It's the water of heaven. Drink deep, drink deep. It's the water of heaven. It's the water of heaven. It's the water of heaven. Come on, Jesus, we give you glory and honor this morning. God, if there's hearts in this room that are dry, that are empty, dear God, that are stale, I pray that you would submerge us in your Holy Spirit, that we would drink deep and understand that there's nothing in this world that can satisfy, like living a life for you, being a laid down lover for you, dear God. There's nothing else that satisfies. There's no money, King. There's no money that compares to you. The riches of this world do not compare to you. A degree does not compare to you. It's all about you. This life all points us back to you, dear God. Our purpose is found in you. Our identity is found in you, Jesus. And this morning, we make it all about you. Come on, if you made it about anything else but Jesus, God is calling you to repentance this morning. Come on, God wants to fill you up. God wants to use you. God wants to pour out his love and forgiveness upon you. Come on, cast down those walls that you've built. Sin will harden your heart. Come on, it's time for confession in this room between you and God. He is the God that searches the minds and the hearts of his people. If there's hidden sin in your life, he's calling you to repentance this morning. Come on, take this next few moments right now to search your hearts before God. God, forgive us for hypocrisy. Forgive us for being lukewarm, for making church about us, for being selfish and self-centered, dear God. Forgive us for using your grace like a dirty rag. Come on. God, and we receive your forgiveness. We receive that call to repentance. 
Lord, we cast off our old self and we put on our new self. Dear God, we are new creations in Christ. Come on, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's called you to be a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Come on, we're going to sing this song right now before we close out. We're going to come your way this morning, Jesus. We're going to set our schedules aside right now, dear God, and we're going to make it about you. You gave it all, dear God, to have us, to be with us, dear God. And this morning, we're going to make it about you. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I'm going to sing it again. I'm coming. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I'm coming. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. Don't sing with all my breath. With all of my breath, with this heart of my chest, every look in my eye, you know why. Oh, come on, every voice sing, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I'm I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. With all my breath. With all of my breath. With this heart of my chest. And every look in my eye, you know why. I'm coming your way. I'm coming your 
to you king we declare that our city would draw closer to you god that this nation would draw closer to you in the name of jesus father we declare that as your children are the light into this world dear god there will be change and transformation all around us in the name of jesus be glorified through us dear lord in jesus name and everybody said amen come on give the lord some praise come on he is good isn't he good this morning? Hallelujah. Come on, please take a seat. Please be seated. Welcome to Metro Praise. My name is Griselda. I just want to take this moment to dismiss all the children. Amen. Your Sunday school teacher is waiting for you. Everybody else, if you could please turn in your Bibles with me to Romans 10, 9 through 10. I want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Romans 10, 9 through 10. The Bible tells us that in the beginning, Adam and Eve sinned. They brought sin and death into this world because of rebellion and disobedience to a holy God. A God who wanted nothing more but to be with them and to bless them. But because of their sin, they rejected his ways. And now we are all born as sinners. The Bible tells us that there's absolutely no way that we can earn our way into the kingdom of heaven. Just one sin is enough to damn us to hell. That is what we deserve. Have you ever told a lie? No matter how many times you apologize for that lie, you cannot take away the consequences for that lie, for the hurt that you may have caused. Have you ever hated someone, looked at them with, with pride or jealousy, looked down upon them? That's sin. Have you ever been jealous? I know I have. Jealous for something somebody else wants. God hates that. Have you ever been divisive or, or quarreled or slandered or gossiped about somebody? God, the living God, hates that. And because of that sin, we cannot be in God's presence. Because of that sin, the Bible says that after we die, there will be eternity. And if we are not right with this living God, our place is in hell. A place where God will not hear us. He will not hear us when we cry. He will not hear us when we say, I'm thirsty. It's too hot in here. It's so dark. And this is torment because our opportunity was here in this place on earth. If you've gone through a rough life, guess what? I may not know what that feels like, but there's a God who knows. And there's a God who can take those pains and those burdens off of your life. But first, you must get your sin right before this holy God. Amen? The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9 through 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Amen. Let me tell you something. Today is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait till next week. You don't have to wait till your children are all grown up. Today is the day of salvation. 
It's a decision you will never regret because God will transform you from the inside out. You can play religion all day long, but God wants a relationship with you. Amen? And if you're in this place and you're saying, I know God, I know Jesus, well, are you right with this God that you know? I feel like God is tapping at the hearts of people in this room. If there is hidden sin in your life, you have to get right with God. You think you can fool God? You think you can hop around from church to church and fool the leaders that were back there? But you can't fool the Holy Spirit. You got to confess your sin and get right with God. Amen? I want to pray with you this morning, and we're going to have some prayer workers right over here. If that's you, and you're saying, I need to get right with Jesus this morning, they're going to pray with you. Amen? Let's pray. God Almighty, we pray that in this room, Lord, you would be glorified, that people who are lost this morning would be found, would be saved, and receive eternal life in you. I pray that disciples would arise, dear God, from this room, men and women who would lay down their life for you, who will not waver around, but would make a decision to follow you for the rest of their life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, if you guys could please stand to your feet with me. These are our prayer workers, and they're going to be praying with you if, if you need it this morning. But right now, we're going to confess. We're going to do our confession of faith. If you would like a copy of this, please raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring it to you. All right, on the count of three, one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, give him some praise. All right, if you guys need some prayer, our workers are right over here for you. Otherwise, greet your neighbor and have some time of fellowship.
morning. I am in love with Jesus this morning. Welcome to Metro Praise International. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. We are so happy to have you with us for our service this morning. And all the new faces, it's wonderful to have you here. Our services here at MPI are every Sundays at 10 a.m. And then every Friday for our youth group is at 7 p.m. Elevate! Come on out strong with the teenagers. If, teenagers, if you know any, please bring them here. Uh, our vision here at Metro Praise is very, very simple. We follow the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us in scriptures, and that is loving God and loving people. Can you say that with me? Loving God and loving people. And we desire to do that with all of our heart. And uh, as we are on the vision right now of loving people, I just want to present to you Dion Diana and Juan. Diana is a young lady that we have been praying for who got hit by a car about four weeks ago. And let's just praise the Lord for her life. You don't have to come up. You don't have to come up. But we do want to extend our hand. If everybody can just extend their hands towards Diana, we are just so thankful to God for her life. And we're just going to pray that God brings a quick recovery to her and healing to her body. God, we thank you for Diana and that your hand of protection was upon her. We thank you that the surgeries are over and that she is here in your house praising you. I ask, oh God, for a quick and speedy recovery, God, that she will walk like she did before and better. In Jesus' name, touch her right, at, right now and heal her body. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. And just a reminder, we are helping them out as a church for the month of May and all of June. We will be, uh, you guys can bring groceries uh, to the church that we will deliver to them every week or you can give specifically to them through, uh, through the offering. Amen. And our discipleship strategy is connect, mentor, and send. We desire to connect you to the cross, to mentor you with the cross, and to send you out with the cross. And the way that we want to connect you to the cross is through our weekly life groups. And if you have received a handout of notes to take during the service, on the back of that, it lists all of um, the types of life groups that we have so that you can pick one and join. How many of you love to be a part of a church that, have, uh, that share life together? Raise your hand. Come on. We are disciples that love to share life together. And if you are new here, please take a look at that list and find a place that you can start attending to feel a part of the family because we are here to extend our lives to you. Amen. And uh, also our, our uh, mentorship vision here is uh, a 101 and a 201. And we have leaders that are ready to get into your life, whether it's every week, every other week, once a month. You guys can work out your schedules, but we want to disciple you, mentor you, to teach you how to live for Jesus. And uh, that is through our 101 book. And our 201 book is uh, a class setting where Jared Walker teaches every Sunday morning. So we are here to invest into your life and to see you grow and become all that God has for you. And then we want to send you out in evangelism to preach the gospel in the streets. Take Jesus to your workplaces and train you up to do that. And then our goal is 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 across the world. And we believe that by the power of God and his spirit, we can do that. Because every single one of you are here for a reason and for a purpose. And we thank God for you. And we believe that we are going to see revival in this city and across the nations through what he has called us to do. Amen. We are very, very excited about our Puerto Rican Festival outreach. Yes, any Boricuas in the house, make some noise. And even if you're not Boricua, make some noise. 
We do this every year. Every year from the time we started the church in 2005, we go on the streets, Humble Park for the PR Festival and preach the gospel. We tell people they must be saved. So please, right now, start talking to your employers and say, I have got to get Saturday, June 15th off. If you don't work, then there's no excuses. Because here is a picture, okay? Just get this. We started this ministry called Chicago for Jesus, where we put, you know, we invite all the churches across the city to come and join us. So my father-in-law, who is an awesome man of God, decided to take that heart of evangelism and that vision and bring it to his city in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So now there's a ministry called Fort Wayne for Jesus, and this was their outreach yesterday. And my mother-in-law, who is 70 years old, 70, 70, and my father-in-law is 67, preaching the gospel, leading these people to the Lord. Okay, so if you are any amount younger than that, any year younger than that, you definitely do not have an excuse. We are all called to go forth, preach the gospel, and make disciples. So we want to see you there on fire, ready to tell people about Jesus. You know why? Because heaven and hell is at stake. The eternal, um, the eternal souls are on the line, and we want everybody to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you have a part to play in that. Amen? So get it excited about that. Tell your friends, your families, uh, people that you know from other churches, let's go strong together in this. Amen? Right now, we want to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings. We believe that the Bible teaches that our tithe is 10% of our total income and that we give that first to the Lord before anything else. And then an offering is anything above the tithe between you and the Lord, what you desire to give to missions and to the building fund and Metro Praise. And if you could turn with me in your Bibles, please, as we prepare to give to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We are very passionate about this. We believe that there is a blessing and favor that flows in our lives when we are obedient to this command by the Lord. And we want to thank those who give faithfully. And it's not to us, it's to Jesus, so that we can accomplish his vision in this city and around the world. We can't do it without you. Starting in verse 1 through uh, 4, through 2. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Say, Lord's people. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Corinth. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introductions to the men who you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. So here we see Paul the Apostle teaching the people in his churches to set aside their money every week so that we could give to the Lord's people. And we want to teach that to you because there is great favor, like I said, and blessing upon your lives when we put Jesus first. The Bible says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things that we worry about, all the material possessions, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, when we seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, the Bible says that all the other things that we need in life, he will give to us as well. Amen? If you could stand up to your feet with me as we pray. Jesus, you are so good, God. We thank you for your faithfulness. 
your favor, your prosperity in our lives. We thank you for all the jobs that we have and those that are looking for jobs. I pray, God, that you would open doors of employment for them. I pray that you bless and increase this offering right now. We give it to you, Jesus, and honor to you, Lord. Do what you have called us to do with it, God. We thank you, Jesus, for all the givers in this church. I pray that through it, Lord, that we will meet our budget here at MPI every single month, that we will meet the needs and beyond of your people in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's recite this scripture out loud together. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Amen. Come forward as you give. Amen. How many love Jesus? Let me hear an amen. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs. So good to see you here this morning. We're doing the chilled look right now because uh, these lights are on a switch right over there, and that switch went out. So just touch that switch, Lord. But it looks all right, right? Looks like we're chilling today. We're at one of those hip churches, you know what I'm saying? Just snap your fingers like this. See, that's how you give a hand clap at a hip church, you know, just Amen. Today, we're going to be talking about problem-solving proverbs. This series, the last two months, has been so awesome. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Does anybody love the book of Proverbs? Uh, I love what uh, Ishmael sent me on Facebook. He said, Proverbs are like God's Twitter feed. You know, because Twitter, everybody wants to say something cool or little status updates on Facebook. That's what Proverbs is for God. He's like, hey, just think about it. Just, you know, think about this. Here's a little nugget. You know, put it in your heart today. And uh, we're getting towards the end of this series. Uh, today, I'm going to be preaching nine Proverbs. And next week, I want to give you the privilege of asking me to preach about any proverb you want. Because as we're getting to the end, there's no way I can preach them all. So I was like, man, there's so many good ones here. So like, I put nine of them together today. And then this is what I want you to do. Look for it on Facebook. I'll be putting them up a post this week when I'm ready at my office to, to build the sermon. And I'm going to say, what proverb do you want me to talk about Sunday? Okay? So any proverb you put up, I'll read it in church and then we'll talk about it so if it's like 30 proverbs I'm going to read it and then talk about because they're so clear like sometimes just when you read it you're like okay I get it 
You know, it's almost like it puts a preacher out of a job. Are you all listening to me? It's like we could just read these Proverbs. You're like, okay, I get it. So pay attention this week for my Facebook to put up the proverb you think I missed but needs to be talked about, okay? And then if you haven't joined the devotionals, join the devotionals. Lifechangingdevotions.com every day gives you a devotion. And this whole month, it's been a devotion to a day on Proverbs. Can I just hear an amen? Your pastor working hard. Come on, somebody. Open up to Proverbs 10, 12. This is our first proverb today. And the title of the message is Problem Solving Proverbs. Now, if you don't have any problems in your life, this, this message is not for you. So if you don't have any problems in your life while I'm preaching to those problem folk, I just want you to pray for us, okay? Just pray for us, you hypocrite. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, just kidding. You, you know, I don't mean to call you that, but. You are. No, okay. We, we all got problems. How many got problems in life? I'm not just talking about little problems. How many people got big problems, relationship problems, work problems? They happen every day. Even people look at Nancy and I's perfect marriage. We got marriage problems, and it's all Nancy's fault. I keep telling her, you've got to change, baby, and she's not here. That's why I can say that. That's why I can talk like that because she ain't here. But we all got problems, man. Now, you know, we don't want to be pessimistic walking around going, oh, I got problems, woe is me. But, you know, let's just own up to it. We got problems. We, we face problems in traffic. We face problems in the checkout line, talking to people on the phone from the cable company, working at our job with customers, working with the employees, the boss working with us, you know, going at home, working with our kids, going to school. There are just problems every single day in our life. And what we need to learn how to do is solve problems biblically. So I'm going to give you nine Proverbs that talk about solving problems biblically. And slapping somebody is not one of them, okay? So there will not be a proverb that says slap somebody if you get upset, okay? So we are not going to use physical force in solving our problems. We're going to use wisdom. Now let me just say this if you weren't here at the beginning. When we look at our life, all of our problems that we have can always be solved by wisdom. Okay, so like this electricity thing with the, the light switch, we don't have just a electricity problem, a light switch problem. It comes down to a wisdom problem. Somebody with wisdom has to know how to work with the electricity and the light switch. Are you all tracking with me? See, a lot of times people come to me and they say they have marriage problems. Well, it's nothing wrong with the institution of marriage. You know, you don't need to go to the government and change marriage because there's a problem with your marriage, like marriage is broken. No, you have a wisdom problem with being a good husband and a good wife getting along. I got problems with my kids. No, you don't got problems with your kids. Your kids are fine. They're breathing. They're healthy, okay? Don't change that. Don't beat them. Don't hurt them. You don't got kid problems. You got wisdom problems. They're, not, they're lacking wisdom. Is everybody with me? So when we talk about, like, relationship problems today, we're not pointing the finger at other people and go, oh, yeah, they got a problem. Oh, yeah, they got a problem. And if they start something with me, then they got a real problem. We're not talking like that, okay? And by the way, those of you who don't know me, I lived in the South eight years, so I ain't being fake, you heard? This is how I talk when I get hype. Everybody listening to me? Look at your neighbor and say he's bout it, bout it. Some of y'all look at me, why is he talking like that? Because that's how I talk. When I talk like I'm in a problem situation, I get hood, you know? I look at my children and I talk like I'm from New Orleans, baby. Okay. These nine Proverbs are going to change your life. All we got to do, here's the easy part, is just do what they say. That's all we got to do. Just follow the word. So what I did is we read the proverb, and I just give you a motto, just to make it simple. Look at your neighbor and say, keep it simple. Keep it 
Okay, number one proverb to solving problems. Here it is, Proverbs 10, 12. If you're there, can you say I'm there? Notes are on Facebook as well today on the website. Here it is. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all wrongs. Okay, so how do you solve problems? Don't hate nobody. Don't hate people. Don't hate them. They may give you reason to hate them. They may be a despicable person in their character, but you have been commanded to love your enemies. You are commanded to look at Jesus being wrongfully persecuted. Jesus didn't deserve to go to the cross. You are to look to him being wrongfully persecuted and forgive them for they know not what they do. You are to look at them with pity and say, you are trying to hurt me. You're trying to destroy me. And some of that may be very serious, okay? Very, very serious problems in life. But you are to look past the problem itself and see a human soul and say, I will not hate you because you're creating the image of God. I will pray for you to get saved and to be changed, but I won't. Don't let that happen, and I choose love, and by choosing love, you cover the wrong that they've done to you. You don't excuse the wrong, okay? You're not saying what you did was okay, but what love does is it heals your broken heart. So if you want to keep hating somebody, you can. God gave you permission to do that. But you cannot then complain to God about all the dissension, all the trouble you have in your heart. Because his solution, when you face a problem, first and foremost, that's why I put it number one here, is to not turn to hatred, but to turn to love. You all ready for the motto? Come in love, live in love, and leave in love. That's just, that should be our motto. So we're going to a family reunion, 4th of July coming up. I'm going to come in love. I'm going to live in love. And then I'm going to leave in love. I won't let anybody there turn me into a hater. Think about your job. I'm going to come to my job in love. I'm going to live on my job in love. And I'm going to leave my job in love. I will not let them get into my life. It, once again, what they're doing, the Bible is very clear about this, by the way, that there are fools, there are ignoramuses, there are stupid people in this life. There is no doubt about it. Can I get an amen? But if you hate those dumb people in your life, it will hurt you more than it hurts them. You have to let go and let God. There's another one. Come on. Number two, Proverbs 10, 19. We're going in a numerical order here, so find it in your Bible. Same chapter, verse 19. The second proverb to solving problems. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Come on, let me just get the cool church snap right now. Dude, you know that's tight, but it's right. You know that just spoke to somebody's life right there. I could just set down the mic and do an altar call. Hold my tongue. I don't want to hold my tongue. I want to tell you what I'm thinking right now. Isn't that what we do? And then, and then you can feel it building up as we have personal problems and relationships. Like you can just feel it building up. Like don't let me, don't, I'm going to snap on you. Don't, don't you. Oh, you done went there now. I'm going to tell you what I, come on. Am I the only one? Am I the only one? There is no way I can be the only one in this church. I mean, it like builds up. I'm like, don't you go there, Nancy. Don't you go. Don't. Oh, you went there. You're going to hear it now. And like, you could just, you could just like see the angels in heaven. Oh, Dios mío. Oh, my God. What is he doing again? Why is he yelling like that? 
think about like what we're saying. Uh, the, the Bible says in James, when we're doing this, we're literally letting our tongue be set on fire from the flames of hell, and we're shooting out that venom to everybody. The book of James says that. Be slow to speak. Uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How many times have you said something in anger and then came back and regretted it? Man, if we can just hold our tongue in our problems, you know, it doesn't mean we don't confront our problems. Sometimes you've got to go to somebody and say, I've got a problem. But if you can choose the right words and talk less, you can be wiser instead of just letting it all hang out. So take, for example, you're with your coworker. You know, they did something to you, and you just come up to them and go, man, I got a problem. I didn't appreciate the way you talked to me in front of the customer. And just, boom, zip the lip. Just put it on them now. But if you come to them, I don't appreciate the way you talk to the customer, and your hair is messed up, and you're ugly, and you're dumb, and I don't even know why you work here, and why did you do that? You know, what you just did is you gave them a reason to try to fight back at you, and, and messy people cause what? messes. So if you're messy, you're going to have a mess, and God can't bless your mess. And so don't be blaming your mess on everybody else. We can control our words and control the environment. And I know, like as a parent, as a husband, and as a pastor, like I can set that thing, I mean, this fight to another level if I just, you know, just keep railing out the words. So what I'm trying to do is keep my words to a minimum and let it be back on them. Here's the motto right here. Sometimes it's better just to be quiet. Does anybody feel that way? Come on, if you are married, just look at your spouse and repeat that motto with me. One, two, three. Sometimes it's better just to be quiet. It is. Sometimes it's just better. It just, I'm done. There's not much more to say. I, well, no, I'm not going to say that. No, no, I can't say that. Oh, I'm just going to be quiet. It's sometimes just better to be quiet. And the same thing on the job. It doesn't mean you're a pushover. It doesn't mean you haven't expressed the problem. It's just saying you're using less words to do it. Third proverb, turn with me to Proverbs 12, verse 16. Proverbs 12, 16, problem-solving Proverbs. This ties right into the one we just said. Here it is. A fool shows his annoyance at once. But a prudent man overlooks an insult. Oh, man. How many fools do I have here? And how many prudent folks do I have here? I mean, it's like, what day of the week are you talking about, Pastor? You know, the women are like, what time of the month are you talking about, Pastor? I said it. Forgive me. But, you know, it's like there are just certain times. So I'm going to act like a fool right now. Even in church, we have this language, you know, like we use as pastors. I'm going to set aside my pastoral duties and tell you how I really feel. We, no, no, no. A fool shows their annoyance. A fool says, man, you're just an idiot. I can't stand you. You are so dumb, so dumb. Come on, anybody remember that? You're just so dumb. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And, and it's like we just got to tell that person, you're dumb. But the Bible is not teaching us this. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, no bueno. No good. This is not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's actually good if you can overlook an insult. So I don't know about you, but my friends, we used to boast about how we paid back people for their insults, you know? Like, oh, he said this to me, and I slapped him upside his face. 
you know. And then another person said, oh, yeah, well, one dude said something to me, and I took off my shoe, and I slapped him upside his face. Oh, really? Yeah, I put him in the back of the trunk, and I drove him down. You know, it's like we, we like we like try to, like, one-up each other or be like, nobody ever going to talk to me like that. But not in the church, not Christians, not us, not wise people. We're not fools, right? We're called to be wise. What are we supposed to do? Overlook it. Now, there are some things you cannot overlook, so I don't want to pretend like there's everything in life can be overlooked. So here is the motto that you have to ask yourself right here. Just because you're mad doesn't mean you have to let everyone know. Is it worth letting everybody know you're mad? I think that if we can learn to overlook small things in life, we'll be happier. Like, is it really worth letting that person at the checkout line know you're mad? You know, I'll never forget this one time. I just got to tell myself, you know, I was at Biagio's, an Italian restaurant, and then that's when I stopped being the southern guy. I start being like, hey, oh, Joe, you know, Joe, come on over here. I become the Italian guy, you know. So I'm there in Biagio's, you know, minding my own business, you know, doing my thing, and the waiter doesn't come to me. And it's a busy, you know, it's not even a busy time. And I'm saying, you know, what are you doing? You're not coming to me. Literally, my wife is with me. She'll tell you. I stand up in the middle of the restaurant like I'm on The Sopranos. And I'm like, hey, you, waiter. What's wrong with you? You should have taken care of me and my family. Hey, we're getting out of here now. I took my wife by her hand, and you can just imagine my wife. Oh, Lord, what are you doing? And I'm like dragging her out of there. And then the manager comes to me, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. I came here to eat. I don't know why I'm doing this. But I'm like, you don't understand. I came to eat. He's not taking care of me. I'm going to leave. So I went to Vince's restaurant, you know, the Italian one right down the road on Harlem, feeling like an idiot. And, uh, of course, it's not as good as Biagio's. And eventually, you know, we have to go back to Biagio's. You know, I feel embarrassed now, you know. They're probably spitting in my food. They're like, oh, there's that, there's that wannabe Italian gangster guy. Let's, let's pay him back now. But look at what the Bible says. A fool shows his annoyance at once. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, take it easy. Just take it easy. You don't need to get upset. Take it easy. That's right. Just, just chill out a little bit. Here's the next one. Number four, moving right along. Proverbs 13:10. Proverbs that solve problems. Here we go. Pride only brings quarrel or breeds quarrel. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Oh my goodness. How many times have you gotten into a fight with somebody because you weren't willing to humble yourself? Man, I could just tell you countless amounts of times that I've argued with people, and at the end of the day, they were right. You know, they were showing me the right way. They were trying to tell me the right thing, but I just got so defensive. You know, maybe you're on your job and somebody comes to you and they maybe don't act right, but they're trying to help you. But, you know, they offend you in some way. And instead of just going, okay, I'm going to overlook that offense and just, you know, learn how to do this thing on my job. It's like we, we buck up in pride. Who are you to tell me this? And don't you know I've worked for this company for so long? And what begins to happen? We begin to breed a quarrel. We make something big out of something little. The Bible is teaching us that wisdom is found in those who can take advice. So when you can take advice from somebody, wisdom is there. You don't know everything, do you? Do you know half of everything? No. Do you even know the other half you don't know? No. Why not? Because you don't know what you don't know. 
So have you ever realized like sometimes when somebody's trying to tell you something you don't know, you argue about it only to find out you didn't know what you didn't know? It's like that's the foolishness of humanity. Like we do this. We do this all the time. We pretend we know when we don't know. And to the people who do know, we look like Riri's. We look like we belong on the special bus. Are you all tracking with me? I mean, I'll never forget this. You know, I was... Um, I was I, I I I was had a CDL. I wanted to get a CDL license so I could drive a church bus for our church. You know, a big 44 passenger like school bus, yellow everything. Well, the the reason why I wanted to do this is because I had a bus driver and he would you know he would charge us so much money to pick up these kids for church. And I went up to him and I'm like, man, I'm paying you too much money for this. I know I can do what you're doing. You know, you just swing open the the, the door here, you drive this big old thing. I can do this. And he's like, no, you can't. You, you've got to go to take some classes for this. You've got to study for this. You don't just show up and get one of these licenses. Do you think I believed him? Of course I didn't believe him. I didn't take advice from him because I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, so I'm thinking I know more about a CDL driver's license than the man who's been having one. He was like an elderly man for like 20 years. So what I do is I go out and buy my own bus. I go and buy the bus. I drive the bus pretty fairly well from, like, Mississippi all the way to New Orleans. I mean, I'm doing great. I mean, I'm honking the horn. We're having a great time in the bus. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, man, I got a bus. I'm going here to the driver's license place. Hey, I'm just going to get a CDL driver's license. I mean, how hard can this thing be? So I show up to take the test, and this thing is like some massive 100-question test. Those of you who have them know what I'm talking about. They're asking questions about tire pressure and chemicals and what to do at the railroad tracks and all of these things because, I mean, you know, it's pretty big responsibility having 40 people in a vehicle. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so I then fail the CDL test, right? And so I I look at her and I go, I failed. And she goes, yeah. And I go, so that means I can't drive a bus? And she goes, no, you can't drive a bus. And literally at that time, she looks over my shoulder and she sees through the window a big yellow bus. And then she says to me, is, is that your bus? This is one of the only times I've lied as a pastor, I promise you. But remember, I'm a liar. I can't be trusted, right? So I, I look at her. I go, no. Uh, well, the, well, that's my bus, but I don't drive the bus. So... I, I, she's like, okay, well, I'm going to make sure you don't drive that bus out of here. We ain't going to let you do that. So I had these two homeless guys that I had brought with me to go on the trip to go get the bus. And no offense to anybody, but I'm just going to call the guy Tuan because I forget his name. You know what I'm saying? So I walk into the bus. I got my man there. I'm like, listen here, Tuan, you're going to have to drive this bus out of this parking lot right now. And Tuan is like, look, man, I ain't even got a license. I'm like, be quiet, Tuan. Drive the bus right out of here. They're looking at us right now. Come on, Pastor. Man, you know I'm going to get locked up, man. You got a license. Twan, drive the bus. Okay, Pastor, I'm going to try to drive the bus. He puts it in gear. I'm in the thing. It's like sputtering out of the way. And I'm just waving to these people. You know what I'm saying? Like I made a guy's sin. I'm lying. We almost all got arrested. All because way back when, when the bus driver told me, you should take my advice and learn how to do this. Three months later, after taking his advice and driving with him and going to classes, I got a CD. Everybody go, praise the Lord. Hey, man, I know I'm special. Hey, man, look at uh, the next one right here. For, uh, number five, Proverbs 15.1. Oh, my goodness. Take advice. And what is the, uh, oh, here's the motto. Here it is. Here's the motto. Humble yourself. You don't know everything. 
Right? So if we could just remember that for that, we're, we're straight. You all got it? Somebody say, I got it. Okay, let's go to number five here. Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Everybody go, ooh. The way we respond to people in our times of trouble will determine the level of intensity of the issue, right? So if, like, Nancy comes to me and she's like, Joe, did you take out the garbage? And I'm like, what you talking about, woman? What you mean garbage? Of course I didn't take it out. I forgot. Now, if I, if I raise that level so high, my wife is going to just be, you know, be yelling. And so many times, this is, that's why I love my wife. So many times I find ourselves yelling, and I'm like, why are you yelling at me? Why are you yelling? She's like, because you started yelling at me. How many would believe in a fight I would be the first to yell? How many believe that, right? I would be the first to yell. It's like I don't even, like, I don't even know, like, a normal tone anymore, you know? Because, like, what people call yelling, I just call normal. I'm like, that's normal. Like, yelling is crazy, cray-cray. You ain't ready for that. But think about on your job with the customers. Oh, man, so many times I have admired people in the service industry when they just turn it right back like, oh, it's just so amazing. You know, like, I was at uh, Ikea getting furniture, and these people had messed up everything that I was wanting to get. And, you know, I used to get all these pieces and put it together. And I came to this checkout counter. I was mad. I was ready to let them know Ikea just, man, I ain't never coming back here again. And this person was like, well, what can we do to make your experience better? I'm like, you can fire all these people right here. You can fire every single one of them. Well, besides firing them, what can I do? Could I, could I talk to a manager and have them do this for you and make it up for you? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you could. And then, like, and then, and then, if I put this bobo in your mouth and then put, did, you, yeah, I'd be happy. And I just, and it's just, whatever they did, it just, it, it just put me in their arms like a little baby. And when I just walked out of there, I was like, all the, I was like, uh, uh, IKEA is the best place in the whole world. I love IKEA. Why, why don't I come here more often? And I don't even remember all that they said. You know, like I, I just walked out of there feeling loved. I felt like IKEA cared about me. How many experience uh, on your job difficult people? Anybody have difficult people on their job? Difficult people, you know, are causing these issues, obviously, because they themselves have the issue. It's like they're coming at you because something's not right in them. Maybe they've had a bad day, you know, and now they're upset about this thing that you guys are talking about. Well, the proverb is giving you the example. Give them a gentle answer. It tames them. It will calm people down. And here is the way that uh, I think we can remember this by the motto. Talk to others you want to be the way you want to be spoken to. Isn't that just common sense right there? I mean, that is as common sense as it can be. Imagine if you were them, how would you want somebody to talk to you? So this person, I don't know how they went to that safe place, but they did. This IKEA person put themselves in my shoes, and literally everything I was thinking, they were saying back to me, going to take care of it. Now, that's compassion. And that's the thing that people want on the jobs. You know, a lot of times we as Christians, we look at people that are not Christian, and we, we think that, you know, like they're total pagans. They don't value what we value. No, that's not true. Every business values loyalty. Every business values compassion and consideration. There's no business you're going to join that's going to say, treat the customers terrible, you know, be mean to your fellow, you know, employees here. If we can remember when we're in a situation talk to that person the way I would want to be talked to, I think we can avoid anger from stirring up. Do you believe it? 
Okay, let's go to the next one. Number six, Proverbs 17, 14. Everyone check this out. This is a deep one, but it's so good. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. How many have ever been about ready to have a fight and you knew like if you just said one more thing, if you just pushed it one more way that the fight was just going to be on? But at the same time, come on, but at the same time, you realize if you just dropped it at that moment, everything would be all right. Does anybody relate to that? So many times I can specifically talk about in marriage. It's like, you know, okay, I said this, she said that, and it's like, okay, we're both heated up. Let's just let it go and walk away. But when I don't do that, what happens? like, the dam breaks. It's like the last straw. Have you ever heard this? The last straw that what? breaks the camel back. Those last straws, what God is saying is just keep dropping them. Keep dropping them. Don't let a straw, that little thing, break you and make you lose your control because this is where it gets deep. That breach dam, that water flowing out of a dam, how many know what a dam is, right? It holds back water, and then when it's broken, the water flows out with power and force. What That water flowing out in your life is your emotions. It's, it's your, it's your well-being, and when you let something break your, your peace of mind, you let a situation, break down your stability. You're letting out all of that, and you know that feeling. When it's all let out, you feel depressed. You feel like, oh my gosh, I don't feel better after that kind of a fight. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you let it gush out, and you thought, if I said everything I feel, then it will be better. And at the end, you're just like, man, I feel so empty. I feel so depressed. Why? It's because you let all your emotions go out. You wore yourself out. Where the Bible is saying, yes, people are going to try to keep breaking your dam. They're going to try to come and see if they can break you open and have you lose it, especially some of you who work on, on, on the job and they know you're a Christian. They're going to try to do this to you. They're going to try to push your buttons, but the Bible says just keep dropping it. Keep dropping it. Do not let that matter weigh heavy upon your heart and then burst out into something that would you would regret later. So what do we do in that situation? We give it to God. We keep giving it to God. God, guard me with your peace of mind. Lord, give me joy. Lord, help me love my enemy. Lord, give me uh, the right words to say. Let me know when to be quiet because I don't want my dam of emotions to break out. Is anybody listening to me? What is the model right here? The model is before you start an argument, ask yourself this, is it worth it? That's the question. Man, is this going to be worth a half hour of my time, me yelling and getting all upset? Is this argument worth it? How many know most arguments aren't worth your time? Right? So what do you do? Just drop it. Look at your neighbor and say, drop it like it's hot. Look at your other neighbor and say, drop it like it's hot. You got to drop it like it's hot. Boom, I'm going to drop that. Like somebody get all crazy in your face. No, I'm going to drop it. <laughs> I ain't going to let that get me down. I'm going to drop it like it's hot. <laughs> you just, oh, my gosh. How do I get away with this? I just love Jesus. Man, so any way to get into your mind like, oh, man, did you got to remember this. Is this worth it? No, it's not. I'm going to drop it like it's hot. Get it into your mind. So many times people come to me with their, their issues in their life, and, and yes, 
minor issues over time will make people break and they're damn wide open and things will get crazy. I get it. But if you can learn to problem solve, those little things won't affect you in the same way. You can begin to put on tough skin, you know, be, be disciplined in those areas. For example, my wife has witnessed this. You know, I go out witnessing street preaching all the time, been doing it for almost 18 years now, and I've heard almost every insult you can imagine towards Christ and towards myself and me being out there. And when I was first, you know, saved as an 18-year-old kid, I'm like, you know, you're talking all like this, getting mad. I'm like, let's get it on. You know what I'm saying? Let me put down my Bible, dude. Like, what's, what, what are you talking about? You know, and like, it would be funny because when I first got saved, I was at a Three Rivers Festival, kind of like where my parents were at, and there was like this, like these little junior high kids, and they were like, you know, God is dumb, God is this, and then like I was like, man, come on, be quiet, and then like, no, God is this, God is this, and I was like, come on, let's get it on, and then literally they go and get their mom. This is embarrassing, okay? Is this the guy? Comes with their kids. Is this the guy who told you that? And I'm like, yes. I, I, you know, they're pointing at me. I'm like, yes, it's me. She's like, why were you yelling at my kids? Why were you threatening them? I'm like, hey, I wasn't threatening them. I was just telling them if they had a problem, I was going to solve the problem. And, and, and I, I just feel the Lord saying, tell on yourself. So it, it, I'm going to tell another story that happened like two months ago. Right here, same exact thing. I'm on the corner, right? And, and like this was supposed to be a testimony that I've gotten better, but still pray for me. Same exact thing. This guy's yelling at me and screaming at me. And I'm like, listen, if you don't stop, I'm going to sit you down. And then there is, <laughs> I know the pastor. Like, you're so perfect. Give me a break. Come on. And, uh, and so the parking monitor or the, the, the street crossing lady has to basically come in, pull the guy away from me, and bring him across the street, you know, and, and, and all of this. And she yells at me, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. And I'm like, I only got two cheeks, cheeks baby. You know what's on after that. That was me. The Lord wanted me to say that. I just, you know, I felt I had to say it. For your benefit. But my point is, I'm not as crazy as I used to be or could possibly be. So what, what you see now is the best version of me that's ever been out. This is the 5.0 version right here. You're listening? That's why you got to pray for your pastor. Oh, bless the Lord. So what we have to ask ourselves is, is it worth it? And if we keep practicing this and getting better at it, we can let things pass us by and slide off us, and, and we can become more easygoing. Amen? And I feel like I'm getting better at that. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on. Some of the staff said amen. Thank you. Number seven. Here we go. Here's a good one. Proverbs 26, 4 through 5. You guys are going to love this. See it in your Bible, not just a karaoke screen. Come on, if you got your Bible, I want you to look at this. Because your eyes may think, uh, you may think your eyes are playing tricks on you, or the Bible made a mistake. I want you to look at it in your Bible, just to make sure that I didn't do a typo up here. Here it is, number 7, Proverbs 26, 4 through 5. Don't answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Did anybody catch it? It seems like a contradiction, right? In one place it says, verse 4, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And in verse 5 it says, answer a fool according to his folly. What happened here? Was, was King Solomon sleeping when he wrote this? Just accidentally wrote the same thing, but put the the wrong thing there? 
Is there a contradiction in the Bible? I want you to understand it's not a contradiction, but it's a complementarian. Uh, it's complementing the subject. It's not con contradicting. It's complementing. There are two different kinds of fools you will face in life. There is a kind of fool that when you are in a problem with them, it is better for you just to say, it's not worth talking to you. I'm just walking away. There is a kind of person that we would like, uh, the Bible actually says, don't throw your pearls to the swine. So we'll use that example. There are people who are like pigs. They want to bring you into the mud, get dirty with them, and they will enjoy it because they are just a pig. It's okay. The Bible uses that as an example. So there are people who just like to get dirty. They want to start something with you, get dirty with you. And at the end of the day, they're actually feeling better about it. Like, yeah, I showed them because they like being dirty. This kind of fool is the one that you need to say, you're not worth it. Otherwise, if I engage with you, I'm just like you. And I won't go there with you. This kind of fool is marked by cursing and personal attacks. Nowhere in the Bible do you have to be friends or stay around people who are personally attacking you. You know, so once somebody, you know, like going back to the preaching example, you know, I, I work through these difficult times, you know, when I'm on the streets. But if somebody starts insulting my family, I'm just like, I'm done talking to you, live for Jesus. Because I know me being around this person insulting my family, it's not going to go well. We're both going to get down and dirty in this thing. You get what I'm saying? The, the story I told you before. You know, so it's, and, and then, you know, and then there's times when, when I'm a, as a pastor and I'm counseling people and, and I say something and then they talk for another five minutes. And then I say something and then they talk for another five minutes. And then I just go, okay, well, thanks for meeting with me today. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Wink, wink. We'll talk to you later. Because in my mind, I know that they're not listening to what I'm saying. And I have better things to do. I've got to move on. You've got to realize when it's the right time to do that. Your job may have a protocol. You know, if you, if you try to help them once, twice, they don't work, you know, send them to a manager. Be like, okay, thanks, sending you to a manager. You know, something like that. There are times you have to do that. Parents with your children. Sometimes children will want to escalate the situation to, to watch their parents lose control so then they can put it back on the parents. See, but you, they'll say back to the parent, but you did this. So it's the mentality of correcting the corrector by trying to make the, the parent stumble. And my mom used to deal with this with me all the time. And she would just be like, go to your room. We're done. Go to your room. And I'm like, but, 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 no, go to your room, shut the door, we're not talking anymore. Because there's a kind of fool you don't want to answer, right? Can everybody say amen? Now, verse 5 says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. These are the kind of people that if you talk to them, they'll be humbled. That means if they, you know, when using the street preaching example, because that's a lot of times where I, where I'll see problems. If, if I'm, because those are like my customers, right? Is everybody tracking with me? You know, it's not like I'm running a Walmart or anything. You know, like when I deal with disgruntled uh, customers, usually when I'm out in the street, and that's because they're disgruntled with God. So, um, for example, you know, one time somebody walked up to me while I was at a Mardi Gras, and they were all drunk, and they were like, man, you know, you know, I, I don't believe that Bible stuff, you know, because, you know, Cain killed Abel, and then he had to leave, and, 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 and then he had children. Who did he have children with, you know? And I was like, his sister, who do you think he had it with? He was like, oh, that's kind of gross. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. If you don't believe in God having sex with your sister because creation started with one man, one woman, you believe he came from an ape and he was uh, uh, animals, were your fathers and grandfathers, and eventually you came from an animal. And so either you believe you're a descendant of an animal or you believe that he had sex with his sister. And you're looking at me like, I don't know if that's a good answer. That was a good answer. Because I would rather believe Cain had sex with a sibling than that I came from an animal. 
that I'm the descendant of a dog-like creature to an ape-like creature because evolution and the Bible both have to explain one thing. How did man get here? We believe God created man pure, and so siblings and incest wasn't looked at the same. It was just God starting creation. And then eventually he made laws, and he said, don't do this after the fall because of genetic and health mutations and issues. But you see, evolution has to teach we came from the goo of evolution to the zoo, from the goo through the zoo, all of these animals, to you. So it's from the goo through the zoo to you, okay? I would rather believe he he had sex with his sister than to believe I came from the goo through the zoo to you. Are you all looking? Understand what I'm saying? So once I said that, you know, just the fact that I had an answer for him made him be like, "Oh snap!" I'm like, "Yeah, you know, that's what's up." Or like, you know, the child once again being rebellious, and they're like, "Mom, Dad, you don't know anything." You know, there may be a time for the dad go, "Man, I do know something. I do know how to work. I put this house here. I pay the bills here. I put the food on the table. Those clothes you're wearing, that came from my hard work. That food you got in your belly, your mom cooked. We know all that. You don't know nothing. Now go back to your room, son." See, there's sometimes you just got to put somebody in check, right? So this is your time to get sassy. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all right to get sassy. Sometimes, sometimes. Don't you know Jesus got sassy? You don't call people snakes and vipers who you love. He was like, you guys are a bunch of snakes and vipers. That's what he called them, did he not? He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Jesus knew how to get sassy. Here's the motto. Here's the model. Number seven, not all people and arguments are the same. So you have to ask yourself, what kind of fool am I talking to? Am I talking uh, to the kind of fool that I should not talk to because they're going to get dirty? Uh, I'm going to get dirty with them. Or am I talking to a fool that if I respond to them, I'll put them in their place? Now, just for me to say this, we're talking about fools here, okay? We're, children can act foolish, but I don't believe we should ever treat our spouses like this or our bosses, okay? So I do believe there's a, a, a perimeter here I just want to set up, okay? And like Mr. T said, he pities the fool. Okay, just wanted to say that because I don't want people saying like, she don't deserve for me to talk to her because my wife is a fool. No, you don't want to say that, dude. You've, you're not a good husband if you do that. Okay, number eight, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Everybody go, woo, woo. See, that's a good scripture. I may like that scripture. You remember that? Everybody's heard that one before, mostly in church. The idea is something of the same caliber of metal can sharpen another same or weaker kind of metal. So if you have something that is like strong, like a diamond, a diamond can cut any kind of metal, right? But you get like steel on steel, they'll be able to cut each other. And then like gold, gold is a really like, like soft metal, so gold could not sharpen steel, but steel could sharpen gold. Are you guys with me? So what is this saying? You can always be sharpened by somebody that knows what you know or a little bit more. So the kind of people you want to have in your life to help you go through these situations are people like your friends, people who are like you, valuing the same things, and leaders, people who can lead you and make you sharper. If you keep hanging out with dull folks, you are only going to become more dull unless they let you sharpen them and transform their life. So it's kind of like what, what, what you know, Forrest Gump said, stupid is as stupid does. And you know who you are by who you hang around with. You ever hear that? 
that, but with, from your parents, you know who you are, who you hang around with. So choosing your friends is very important. So if you're like, man, I always get in a fight with Betty Sue, and Betty Sue always is acting crazy, probably Betty Sue is dull. She's of a less kind of character, material than you are. She has a less higher grade of material in her life. She doesn't value what you value. She gossips when you tell her stuff. She lies. She does this. Well, you should stop hanging out with, you know, Betty Sue. If she keeps doing that, find somebody that's like you in character that sharpens you or tell Betty Sue to get transformed, get some steel up in her to be sharpened. Are you all listening? Because you can't sharpen Play-Doh, right? You can't sharpen Play-Doh. So if they have no character, you can't make it better. They have to get born again, get transformed in their mind. So you got to hang around the right kind of people. And listen to this model. I love this model. And I know a lot of you in this church, you feel like this is what's happening in your life. You're getting sharpened by other sharp people. And that's what's up. Here's the model to remember. Friends aren't really close friends until they have a disagreement, an argument, and come away better for it. Man, I'm going to say that again. And before I do, I want to say this. It is okay for us to disagree and have arguments in the church. It's okay for husbands and wives to have arguments and disagreements. We have them all the time. But we're made out of the same material, baby. Diamond. We are diamond. Ching, ching, ching. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's so awesome. And, um. You know, it's like we're two unicorns, and we have our little, you know, we have our little diamond tusk hanging out, and we ching, 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 and then after we get done doing that, we were flying unicorns, and then we fly off into special places together. I just wanted to say that because that's just how I feel about my wife. We're unicorns with, we're unicorns with diamond unicorns flying, flying in high, mighty places. That blessed you. That blessed Vanessa. Amen. But think about this. It's like, man, if, if you and I, if you and I cannot disagree, if you and I cannot disagree, get into an argument and walk away better for it, we're really not friends. We're just acquaintances, right? We're just putting up our nice Sunday morning faces, and we're just pretending to have friendship. Real friendship is going to come to a point where we disagree, We'll disagree over things in life. And that's why in this church, we say the creed every single day because this is our foundation. Now, if you disagree with this, we're saying to you, we're never changing in these areas, okay? And we'll help teach you what we really believe. These are our fundamentals. But most of you here already believe that or are accepting that. So from that point, everything else is up for an argument, as it were. In, in one way, we can debate and discuss. Now, some people may add more things to that list, and, and when you hang out with them, you know, you've got to be sensitive to that. But most of the things we talk about in friendship and argue about generally aren't the real big, huge things. They are the things that we can work through and be better for at the end. Can I get an Amen. So if you and I get in an argument and we disagree, let's not quit on our friendship. Let's walk away better for it. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I won't quit on you. Don't quit on me. 
And then lastly, number nine, ending with the same one we started with, but going to the other slant of it. We talked about the hatred of Proverbs 10, 12, but now let's talk about the love. Here it is, Proverbs 10, 12, last scripture for problem-solving Proverbs. Hatred stirs up dissension, stirs up more fights and arguments, but love covers all wrong. Here's the motto that I think we would do good to live by, FEMO. Everybody go FEMO. Sounds like what? Nemo. Everybody say FEMO. FEMO. Forgive them and move on. At the end of the day, if you have tried all of this, you have tried eight things, and you've loved them, you've held your tongue, you've been teachable, you've tried to see how you can change, you've tried to sharpen each other, and at the end of the day, if they're just still acting like a fool, they don't want to be your friend, you just have to forgive them and move on. Sometimes the best gift you can give people in your life is the gift of goodbye. Wrap it up, put a little bow on it, put their favorite candy on it, and say, it was good. Those years we spent together were good, but it's time to say goodbye. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you do have to walk away from a job and say, you know, these boots were made for walking, and that's just what they'll, you know, that's what you guys say. You guys say, thanks for the the memories, I appreciate you, but I've got to find a new job. Sometimes you've got to say to your kids, kids, it was great. It was fun. We're changing the locks, turning your bedroom into a, a pool house there. We'll see you on the other side. That's, you guys look at me crazy. That's what my mom did. Like it turned, I turned 18. My mom was dancing. I came home from school. She's like, happy birthday. Here's the keys to the car. Here's a $100 card. We'll see you later. I packed your bags. You all think my mom's crazy, but she is a godly woman. I thank God because I wasn't living for Jesus. And in, in Indiana, it was you have to raise them till they're 18. And, I mean, I kept running away. She kept calling the police on me. I was selling drugs. And my, if my mom were here, she would tell you, 18, she packed it up, gave me $100, keys to my car, and she said, you are done here. God bless you. We love you. So sometimes you just got to give the gift of goodbye. Amen. Of course, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You just got to understand the different ways to do the thing. Sometimes it's, you know, you don't want to quit on somebody. You want to say, man, let's work through this. We can, we can make it through this. You know, certainly in marriages, right? Certainly in marriages, people give up, I think, way too easy in our culture. But there are times, I'll be honest with you, there are times, and, and we're talking to adults here. There are times when you have a spouse and they keep cheating on you. They keep breaking their word. At some point, the Bible says that adultery is, is it, you know. You have to say, okay, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to move on now. I can't live with somebody that doesn't respect me the way I need to be respected, right? We, we believe that. And so treat yourself with dignity and honor. If you don't have dignity and honor for yourself, people won't give it to you. You, you, you teach people how to treat you. If you let them talk to you a certain way and put you down and gossip about you, if you let those people be your friends, then they're going to keep doing that to you because they say, hey, she keeps hanging around. He keeps coming back for more. So sometimes when they realize, like, you're not coming back anymore, you're not calling them anymore, you're not Facebooking them anymore, they realize they lost a friend. And if you were a good friend, they're going to probably come back after you. Amen. And so let's stand up today. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his word. If you believe you're going to solve some problems today. Amen. Ban, would you come, please? I'm just going to go through them quickly in closing. Proverbs 10, 12, come in love, leave in love. 
and uh, live in love and leave in love. Proverbs 10, 19, sometimes it's better just to be quiet. Proverbs 12, 16, just because you're mad, you don't got to let everybody know. Proverbs 13, 10, humble yourself. You don't know everything. Proverbs 15, 1, talk to others the way you want to be spoken to. Proverbs 17, 14, before you start an argument, ask yourself this question, is it worth it? Proverbs 26, 4 through 5, not all people in arguments are same. Know who you're talking to. Proverbs 27, 17, friends aren't really friends until they disagree, get into an argument, and come away better for it. And Proverbs 10, 12, FEMO, you got to forgive them and move on in life. Forget about your past and move into your future. How many believe today's word was for them? Can I just hear an amen for them? I was uh, studying these uh, Proverbs, and I began to think to myself about the problems I've had in life and all the times that I've made it worse or harder for myself by not following these. I want to ask you to make a decision with me today that moving forward, we would be better at this. There are some friendships that I was thinking about it was like, man, we burned bridges before it was really over because we, like, didn't want to sharpen each other anymore. We got into an argument. It's like, oh, you don't, just, you don't agree with me? You don't agree? Okay, we're not friends. And I was like, man, I wish I would have been more of the humble one and just been like, okay, but well, let's, let's work it through. What is going on in your life today? Think about something in your life today that you can pray with me about, just maybe one person, one relationship, one uh, problem you're facing that God can do a miracle in. Maybe it's with your, your marriage, your kids. Maybe it's on the job, somebody here at the church. I would like to close out in prayer believing that we can start one at a time solving these problems. How many know Jesus had people that didn't like him? But he knew how to solve every one of those problems, didn't he? When it came time to crucify Jesus, the people that were crucifying him could not come up with one legitimate wrong thing he had did to anybody. He said, if I've sinned against you or anyone here, convict me now. And everybody remained silent. Do you think you could do that at your job? And say, if I haven't done anybody wrong or ever made a mistake in a relationship here, you know, or at your, in your family, honey, I have never made a mistake with your parents. Come on, we couldn't say that. So there's things that we need to change. And it starts with us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, give us something to do right now. One problem, one situation that we can solve today. Come on, ask the Lord to give it to you. Just say, God, remind me of it. Or maybe it's not a full-fledged you know, problem, but it's something you can work on. Just think of one today. I, I promise you, you'll come back to those nine all throughout your life. There's no way to avoid them. But Lord, start in one area right now. Jesus, make us like you, Lord. Transform our marriages, our children. Bring us peace on our job. Transform our friendships. Help us be different, God. In the little things, help us be different. Hallelujah. 
as you're just praying and meditating, I just want to share a couple things that I'm feeling in my heart that, that God wants me to share. One of the things is you don't have to be like everybody around you just because they act that way doesn't mean you have to be that way. Maybe you're in a certain kind of job where it's like everybody, you know, cuts this corner, treats the customer like this, or talks that way, you know, does whatever. That doesn't mean you have to. Come on, what would Jesus do if he worked that job with you? Oh, Lord, help us. Help us to be different. Altar workers, would you come? We're about ready to close out with singing a worship song. And if you need prayer for anything, they'll be up here to pray with you. If you've got some real serious issues and you just want to have some prayer, God will start a miracle in your life today. If somebody's really hurt you and I say words like forgiving your enemy and it just makes you cringe, you're like, oh man, I can never forgive what that person did. Listen, God will do a miracle in you. You're right. You can't do it, but God will do it in you. Oh, Lord, would you just hold your neighbor's hand today right next to you just as a symbol of community as we get ready to close out? Thank you so much for coming. As you hold that neighbor's hand, even if you don't know how to pray, you're a first-time visitor, I just want you to say a simple prayer. Lord, bless my neighbor. Come on, bless my neighbor to the left of me. Bless my neighbor to the right of me. Come on, this ain't weird. This is church. This is what we do. We pray for each other. Now imagine if we would think this way everywhere we go. God bless the stewardess. God bless the police officer. God bless my boss. Bless my coworker. Bless my husband, wife, children. Bless my neighbor. The Bible said, do not curse your enemy. Bless your enemy. Love them and do to them as you would want done unto you. Lord, I pray for this church that we will love you and we will love our neighbor as ourselves. No excuses, enough said. Period. Take away the anger, the frustration, the things we deal with. Lord, help us be better to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Can everybody say amen? Can you bless them today? Come on, somebody. Can you slap your neighbor high five and say change starts with you? Amen. We're going to pray if you have a need. We're going to worship. Otherwise, you are dismissed. We'll see you next week. Change starts with you. God bless you. Come on, sing in my life. Come on, if you need prayer, come on up as we sing for anything today. Healing, encouragement. This is our song today. If you're staying after just a heart of worship, come on, let it come over you now. In this nation, Lord, use us for your glory. Woo! Sing it out in my life. In my life, Jesus, start with me. In my life, be lifted high in our world, be lifted high in our love, be lifted high. We'll sing in my life. Come on, if you need prayer, come quickly. Otherwise, just enjoy the worship. We love you.